Hey, what's going on there, podcast land? Matthew Johnson here again with another episode of Dementia in Black and White. Thank you for tuning in. Got a lot of options out there for podcasts, and I thank you for selecting this one. This week, we are going to continue to talk about my mother's transition into a respite care place and how that's going. Not good. Let's talk about it in this week's edition of Dementia in Black and White. Okay, so as you are aware, I did some searching and found a place in the area here for a respite for me and really a test for my mom to see how she would do in a facility or being cared for by others to see if that could be a long-term solution for her. And I gotta say, so far, not going well. Before I get into this very critical review of the uh, you know first couple of weeks here at this assisted living facility, I want to say that I am not going to use the names of the people involved or the name of the facility. And the reason for that is because I don't think the experience that I had here is really unique to this particular place or location. I believe that the things that I'm going to describe in this podcast and maybe the next one or two, because it just depends on how long this continues and how much time it takes me to get through kind of each of the things that have been going on. But I don't want to cancel culture this place because really what they are doing is essentially the norm, I think. It's the average across these facilities. And there are other people who are there who may very well be receiving care that the families who drop their loved ones off there deemed to be adequate. They see it as, hey, my mom is alive. And that's what I wanted out of a facility. So I am pleased with the service that I am being provided or whatever, whatever the reason or rationale is for others who are there. 
they might very well have a different view, a different perspective of the one that I'm about to provide to you today. And so it is not that I think the facility, because if, of course, I thought there was some danger or the people in the facility were in some sort of risky environment, then, yeah, I wouldn't have a problem just blasting the folks. But I don't feel that, and I never felt at all from the day I dropped my mother off until we'll talk about what happened uh, as we get into the podcast. But I never felt at all that my mother was unsafe there in the care of these folks. But you'll hear what my uh, disagreements were and concerns were. So that's why I'm not going to mention their name, because one, I think it's, again, just par for the course as it relates to these facilities in terms of the lack of training. And I've talked about that in a prior a prior podcast. I've shared with you some reviews from other places. And, you know, on a repeated basis, you heard people talk about a lack of training. And specifically, I'm talking about training that deals with people with dementia. Because, of course, in the conversations with this facility, and I mentioned that training issue, and they said, oh, no, no, we got so-and-so training, and they get five hours of training on dementia or Alzheimer's people. I'm here to tell you, five hours doesn't begin to scratch the surface of the type and the amount of training that an individual needs. And just my interaction with the staff and seeing the interaction with my mother, it tells the story around this lack of training that I suspect is evident. So again, I see that as a thing that's just across the board. It's nationwide. It's not specific to this individual location. And as such, I don't want to call them out for that. However, I will say this. If the owners, the staff, anyone from this location hears this podcast, disagrees with some or all that I have to say, and they want to come on to the podcast to give their point of view, to tell their side of the story, open invitation. I will share this space with any representative from the facility and allow them unfettered access to you, my listening audience, and the opportunity to share their side of the story. Now, of course, that would then out to them because I'm not going to say their identity that would do that. So it's their option, but I want them to have a chance to give their side of the story if they want to, because of course I'm going to tell you what happened and it is all my side of the story. It is all my perspective. And of course you'll listen and you'll have your own perspective as to what you think. So the invitation is there for anyone to come forward from that side and we can then have a dialogue. But today 
is going to be a monologue. So I dropped my mother off, off, and of course, you know from the last episode that that drop-off went very smooth, very smooth, certainly better than I had anticipated. And my mother, for her position, was and really continued to be, you know, kind of oblivious to all of what was going on. Certainly was not able to comprehend the context of being in a memory care facility or assisted living place or any of that. She hadn't put any of that together. And she was her same self in terms of gathering her things, especially in the evenings to prepare to be picked up by someone or to prepare to leave to go home, quote unquote. That is very much common for someone with dementia. Of course, I know that. Getting someone to shower, bathe is difficult for someone with dementia pretty common as well. Of course, we're talking about someone with moderate in the moderate stage or later. So my thought was that having her in a facility and I even talked about that on the front end with the folks and they assured me that the person who was at this particular place knew their way around this could handle that type of situation. Now, just to let you know, the check-in process is one where they won't, cannot accept maybe state law, regulations, what have you, can't accept a person without having medical forms signed from their primary care physician, in my mother's case, her primary care physician. And it, of course, just gives... Uh, overview of kind of vital signs had to have a TB test within a certain amount of time. They ask about what diagnoses the person has, what medications they're on. So it was clear from that prior to my mother going in that she did not take any medications and that her Statistics or stats, vital signs were pretty just normal, average, good for a person who's her age. So they knew that going in, that she was not on medication. She went in on a Saturday. I got a call on a Sunday. And it was from... I thought a psychiatrist, but later I believe I'm learning that it was a nurse, psychiatric nurse practitioner, perhaps, but somebody in that psychiatric realm who said that they had done a telemedical visit with my mother and based on some resistance to care that she was giving the caregiver at the home 
they wanted to start her on trazodone. I believe an antipsychotic drug. Not a doctor, so don't know a whole bunch about this stuff. But And they said that it would take about two to four weeks, maybe longer, for it to kick in. Again, my mother's there for 30 days. And they believe that this would help the staff be able to get my mother to assist in her own care, essentially. They were having problems with getting her to change her clothes, with getting her to bathe. And trust me when I tell you, that has been a challenge here in the house, too. So that's not breaking news. And they said that she was not sleeping. She did not sleep much at night. Two to three hours that she slept that night before. And they believed that this trazodone would help with that as well. Help her with sleeping and help her with being less resistant to receiving care. For me, and you probably need to understand this about me, I am a holistic approach to healthcare type of person. I believe to the extent that you can find alternatives to drugs in general, but certainly pharmaceutical type drugs specifically, that that avenue is an avenue not used enough, essentially. So my response to the doctor, nurse practitioner, whoever this psychiatric person was who said that based on their telephone interview or maybe video interview with my mother that she needed to be on this medication to help with sleep, to help with her ability to receive commands from staff was a hard pass. I said no. No medication. She's been with you for 24 hours. 24 hours she's been with you. And you want her on trazodone. To me, that sounds like a medical restraint, essentially. If you, any average person, were in a new place, whether that be on a trip, business trip, you got a new hotel, a new bed. Maybe the hotel has different sounds at night that you're not accustomed to. Maybe the light coming in the room from the neon sign out in front of the hotel is brighter than what you're used to. Maybe there's a chirping sound from the ice machine in the hallway, whatever it is, just a new environment for anyone might cause you to not have a great night's sleep your first night in a place. So for me to hear that a person with dementia who is probably not settled anywhere, to hear that they did not sleep well on their first night in a place seems pretty normal to me. And it would seem that if you wanted to address that as an issue, 
even as a medical professional, the first thing you would want to do is to say, what type of stimulation is the person having late at night? Melatonin produced naturally in the body, maybe giving that in small doses, five milligram tablets of that chamomile tea, perhaps with dinner, something along those lines to me would seem like the first step for someone who's not sleeping. And of course, if you've not slept well the night before, I too, and I don't have dementia, would be irritable with the lack of sleep. And so just right off the top, essentially day one, we had our first disagreement. And unfortunately, I believe that this set the stage for the rest of the cloud that was over this day. So that's the first thing that happened. Then there was the issue of staffing. So in that phone conversation, which was this psychiatric nurse practitioner or a psychiatrist, the owner of the facility and the CEO of the facility. So those three representing the facility and me on the phone. And they talked about the fact that because they needed someone to stay up with mom overnight, especially since she's not sleeping. Excuse me, I'm going through a cold right now, so might hear me drinking some water and just got a little nasally situation going on here. Because of that, they needed to hire additional staff overnight person to be up 24 hours with my mother because of course she might also be a flight risk if she's up at night and they mentioned that in the call and of course I'm thinking yep that makes sense of course later <laughs> we'll talk more about this in the future podcast I get an invoice for $2,200 on top of the $4,800 that I've already paid. And do know that in the contract, which I had to go back and revisit, really my daughter went over that for me. Got to have a network on your side. And this one, this is my oldest daughter. Yeesh, just the person you want on your team in terms of detail-oriented and business mindset that is her all the way short side note my youngest daughter bought a house you know about three years ago or so and of course you know as a father you want to be there your daughter's first house and all that but I couldn't be there I was out of town my oldest daughter was there with her went to the closing of course you know with these closings they sort of kind of rushed you through that in terms of the amount of legalese and paperwork that you have to sign 20 or 30 documents you have to sign. And they expect you to 
understand what you're signing and pay attention to those numbers enough to, you know, for themselves, they're covered to say, well, you signed the paper, so you can't complain later type of thing. Well, my daughter, the oldest, she was there at the table and she was going through that stuff. I mean, line by line, especially the pages that had numbers on them and found an era that was three, four hundred dollars in, you know, her sister's favor. So she's that type of person. Right. So she goes over the contract stuff and it says in there that 24 hour supervision is provided. But what they had was a person who was there, but who slept at night. And so they had to hire somebody to cover the night shift, essentially. And they wanted to pass that cost on to me. Hmm. Nah, I don't think so. I don't think that I should pay for that. I think that should be a part of your cost of doing business. That if you are saying you have a place and that you care for people with dementia, that that should be expected that you might have to have someone who's awake all the time. My bad for assuming that that was that would be the staffing levels of a place. However, it was a point of disagreement between me and the staff, the leadership. So I am going to pause the story there and we'll pick it up next week to talk about a transfer from that facility and how that went. We'll get into that in next week's episode of Dementia in Black and White. This is Matthew Johnson. Thank you for listening. And that invitation stands for anyone who wants to come in from the other facility. We can have a dialogue. We can chat. I'll let you present your side of the story. Otherwise, you'll continue to hear my side of the story in next week's episode of Dementia in Black and White. Until next time, that is wonderful what you're doing. Even if you have to take your loved one to a facility, that is still a decision to take care of your loved one and provide the best care for that individual. That's wonderful. But also, and more importantly, Take care of yourself. I'm out.